Alexia Georgiou. I'm a life coach and instructor. I'm an author and speaker. Welcome to our podcast on crisis communication. Welcome to the Agile Empath Podcast. Today we're talking about communication and we're starting a new series of when we're sharing live and we're taking clips to share with you. Enjoy. I'm a life coach, speaker, and author. I provide trainings virtually and in person. Visit my website for online courses, books, and resources. I thank you for tuning in today. Of conflict, microaggressions. We really increased our consciousness of bias in 2020, and that's a good thing. And we all have bias, and many times it's implicit. So microaggressions are those remarks or actions towards a group subject to discrimination without harm intended in everyday life. So it, we say something and we really didn't realize uh, that there was bias in it. Or we touch a colleague on the shoulder and didn't realize we were doing that. We leave something in someone else's space. On a video and audio interaction, we one-on-one um, -on -one chat with someone and it's disrupting their concentration. Uh, power splaining, someone you know, may feel like they need to show that they know more. Uh, having, hogging the situation, like just talking and not letting others into the conversation. These are all microaggressions. So implicit biases, these are attitudes and assumptions and thoughts about people that you didn't think you had. Oh, sorry, my clicking is, okay. People on our team feel extra stress, especially with everything we've been through in the past year. And then everything that we continue to go through, the world is continually uncertain. And we think we're gonna hit this normal and it continues going on even with the vaccine. And that's on all of our minds. Also our work and life, it's all been disrupted. And so then we start acclimating and then more change comes. The predictions by 2030 is with artificial intelligence, we're gonna continue to see these changes occur, displace the workforce from positions as job descriptions are redefined. So change is something that we all have to get used to. Change causes anxiety. And think of the acronym HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When we feel that way, we need to retreat and take care of ourselves. And definitely, it can kick up the conflict and it can cause us uh, to be more conflictual when we're really, it's just displaced. Uh, we're experiencing pain, trauma, illness. There may be loss in our family. Um, and it's, it's a response that we've heard about, this fight, flight, or freeze. 
And our goal, and you want to train your teams with this, is to be in the green and stay in the green. And how can we help and support one another? Uh, so this is where we are mindful of the moment, why I'm here today, and what my goal is for the day. Uh, and I have a sense with curiosity to be, um, to resolve the conflict with asking questions. Uh, people respond human behavior wise really well to that and it keeps us in that green. When we get kicked up to the red zone and we're trying to resolve conflict, it's not going to work. And this is when we become forceful because we really want to be heard because we do not know how to listen. We all need skills building and listening. Uh, and so this is when we're going to start fighting or we're going to retreat and we might freeze. And if you look at the blue zone, uh, this is where we feel really hopeless and trapped, like there's no solution or resolution to the conflict. And we may even feel shameful. So self-care. I can't do a talk without emphasizing it because if we haven't taken care of our needs, we're not going to be effective communicators. Uh, and conflict is constant. Uh, it's just wherever you have people, you have different points of view, different schedules, different needs. Everyone is equally important. Uh, and so what are the basic needs that we need to take care of because we cannot actualize to work until those basic needs are met and this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So eating, sleeping, moving, uh, when we're stressed are we regulating it? Are we getting it out? Uh, because if we don't uh, get it out, it's going to come out at work when we don't mean for it to, um, or towards our children. And so have just what helps me and stay accountable for that. Keeping our routine and speaking kindly to ourselves. And this is a big one, asking for help. There may be times when we think, I thought I would never feel this way or I would never go through this. and. You know, we're just human. And so with our teams, we need to normalize that humanity. The more and more that I read, and I have webinars with Harvard, uh, the Harvard Business Review, Wharton, uh, they're really talking about people experience anxiety. Everybody, more people than you would realize. And the recommendation is, you know, talk to your team members, have that check in. And as you're doing that, self-disclose some and say, how can I be here to help you? And so now we're seeing we really can't uh, turn off the life part. It's just part of work more and more. Now, part of that is technology and part of that is the pandemic and just all of it colliding together very quickly. So when we want to sit down and have a talk, time, time is of the essence. The quicker we have the talk, it's to everyone's advantage. And this is because we forget. Uh, and we may, you know, if we don't want to take accountability, it's going to be human nature to say, I don't recall that or I don't remember it that way. 
So the quicker that we address something uh, and don't avoid it because we want to avoid it because we're uncomfortable. And so it's better just to go ahead and have the talk. Time the conversation with hard evidence. Establish the boundaries with expectations. So, you know, walk into the room and you have the boundaries and this is who's going to be part of this. Uh, this is what our expected outcome is. Uh, we, um, you know, appreciate that you're here. We do have uh, some things specific, concrete things that we're going to talk about. We're very respectful and we want to hear everyone's perspective. We want to make sure that everyone is heard. And then even during, you know, check in. How are we all feeling about this? From a scale of one to 10, one being I'm completely relaxed and I'm good, five, I'm kind of so-so, and 10, I'm pretty tense still about this even though we just talked about it. Scale it and then have check-ins. You know, check in in a few hours, check in the next day with the team members. Do it as much as possible in person. We are social creatures. Uh, and so email was not created for us to talk about human interaction. I mean, it's very efficient to get information out there. But anything relational and to do with conflict, email is not our friend, neither is text, neither is social media. Uh, there's a reason um, that I believe in creationism. We were created in a garden. We weren't created with all this technology. We weren't made for this. And there, technology is a tool that we use, but it's not how we uh, communicate about conflict. Definite considerations, and especially when we're talking about confronting a microaggression, because if you have your button pushed, you know what that feels like. And everybody has a different button and we have a button. Um, and so can I calm myself down enough so I can talk about this? And so being in that green zone is so important. Um, and if I'm gonna confront a microaggression and I'm advocating for an underrepresented community, I need to consider my own job security and safety to have that talk. Is it psychologically safe? What kind of relationship do I have? Will the person be receptive to feedback? And where are we gonna converse? How are we gonna converse? And if it's virtual, virtual empathy is something that's been studied and proven even before we were all online uh, with video gamers. And they found it's not compromised at all. And so I don't know what experiences you've had, but I coach clients online. We have really great connection. And people, you know, I've asked them, how do you feel um, having these conversations virtually versus in person? And the translation isn't lost. Um, so the best space to have the conversation. We definitely, in this day and time, when there's conflict around microaggressions, 
seize every opportunity because we're raising the equity and this is how we do it. We're fostering inclusion and belonging. And when people feel like they belong and they're advocated for and that people notice these things, then they're gonna relax. It's gonna disarm any kind of conflict. But the underserved you know, population, the minority there, doesn't have a voice and they don't feel empowered to have a voice and they're going to shut down and they're not going to interact well and there may be increased conflict because of this. Okay, so the talk and this is the PMI conflict resolution guide. Now I have the top two highlighted because this is like our golden standard, what we want to do and it doesn't always play out this way. Uh, so, best resolved by those involved in the conflict. We don't need mama and papa bear there for everything. Now, if we can't resolve it and the manager needs to come in, that's what needs to happen. But try to empower the team to resolve conflict and learn to work together. Uh, teams that are cohesive will thrive when there's a crisis. Individuals and poorly led teams will panic. Uh, that's Michael Useem at Wharton. And so train the team in trust, listening, empathy, conflict resolution. So when they are clashing with schedules or ideas, uh, that's a good thing. You're gonna get better innovation. And so teach the normalcy of conflict and to resolve it among themselves. Um, so collaborative problem solving, incorporating multiple viewpoints is our goal. Uh, now, it's not ideal though. So sometimes we do compromise and we reconcile and the solution satisfies both parties. Um, we really postponing the talk, withdrawing, think about those times. Did it go well when you eventually had the talk or maybe you didn't have the talk and uh, it came out in behaviors or an outcome that you really didn't want? So how did that work for you? Smoothing and accommodating. So emphasis is on agreement, um, just like customer service. We want to make you happy, so we're just going to get you, give you what you want so you'll be out the door and you won't create this a problem for us in our milieu. Uh, so we're just gonna agree with you and calm you down. Forceful direct, pushing one viewpoint at the expense of another. Uh, you would be surprised how many people believe this is leadership uh, to show strength in this way. And academia, the top business schools are training leaders very differently. Uh, a lot of positive psychology is being integrated from that level. When I started taking those courses, and my background is all mental health, and I said, I'm starting a business, I need to take business classes. I was shocked at how much was being integrated, the human behavior, collaborative leadership, even the professors at Wharton said, when I first started teaching decades ago, I would teach leadership as a one-man show, mostly men back then, and now I'm teaching as everyone. You look up, down, all around, and you say, I'm confident in this, and I need your help. And definitely with conflict resolution, we all need one another's help.
MIT did a study on workplace diversity. And this speaks to when you have the multiple points of view. So the, the research is showing that on a team, we want and need as much diversity as possible. Uh, so when there's a lot of social capital, yeah, people are getting along. They have things in common. They feel very comfortable. And that's what you're going to get on the team. Comfort, cooperation. We're very uncomfortable with conflict. Um, however, according to this study, and it's not just this one, they seem to perform less well. Uh, so, so our focus in hiring and who's on our team, because we're looking at root causes of conflict, as well as when we have the symptoms, is to hire diversity and to teach the team what does inclusion really mean. You know, when that person who's different walks up, you modify the conversation and you include them in things that they would be interested as well. Okay, so I know you all just had a speaker um, recently talk about empathy. It is a whole presentation and I call it the thread of empathy. If you do some of the role plays uh, that I have suggested today, like you're gonna hear these tools and you begin arguing with that other person, as soon as someone goes into empathy, it disarms and you just have to practice it to see how it works. Uh, so empathy, we're looking at the other person's viewpoint. We're avoiding judgment because we all have thoughts and judgments about what people are doing. And okay, so let it go. And we have to be intentional about this because we're not trained to do this. Recognize emotion in the other person. Okay, so we have to start with recognizing emotion in ourselves first. Are we comfortable with our emotions? This is something new, and this is being studied. Segal Barsaid out of Wharton is conducting love at work. Um, and I took her class, and I was so fascinated by it that when you foster that sense of love and caring and affection, these are actual words that were used in the study, uh, that people thrive and they take care of their patients and their customers, and everybody benefits reduced absenteeism, increased productivity, increased engagement um, with a benefit to bottom line earnings. Uh, so communicate understanding, feeling with. So we don't wanna say, and we've all said this, at least you, it could be worse. I don't know about Arkansas and Tennessee, bless your heart. We don't wanna say those things. We wanna say, sounds like you're in a hard place, tell me more. Here's an empathy map and ask yourself these questions. What is she thinking and feeling? What does she see? What's the pain that she's experiencing? What is she gaining? What is she hearing? We know what we are seeing and hearing and experiencing, uh, but there's a true benefit to looking at the other person. Okay, our empathetic focus and conflict. We're there to learn. Now, normally with conflict, our mindset is, no, I'm here to win. I have a perspective. I have a side. I have a need. And it needs to go this way, and this is why. We all go into it like that. 
So what if we changed our mindset to we need to learn? I'm here to learn. Curiosity. I'm here to ask questions because that's how we learn. Don't assume. We make assumptions. We think we know. We think we know the best way and we really don't know the best way. Explore the person. You know, we really misunderstand one another and that's very easy to do. Uh, so be open about the person because if we've pegged them, let's say they, there was a microaggression and we might say they're just racist. Well, there, I mean, you're gonna have conflict now, but be open to them, okay? We all have implicit bias. Even I do it and I don't realize it. Um, and so and just be that open. Again, that's training ourselves with skills in the way we approach conflict. Communication is 7% verbal and 93% is nonverbal, meaning our body language and our tone of voice. The suggestion is when there's incongruence, look at what the nonverbal is saying. Um, and you may even want to point to it and say, okay, I notice, um, Alexia, that you're really talking with your hands because I talk with my hands. And that's a cultural thing with my upbringing. My parents immigrated from a country called Cyprus and I grew up in Tennessee. And so we do, we talk with our hands as a culture. I watch my parents all my life. But if I'm especially doing it and I do when I'm upset and someone points that out, then, oh, that's self-awareness. I need to go to the green zone and just um, take a break from this conversation. Be proactive and have in-person conversations. Work has become increasingly remote and isolated. With email, we lose the tone of voice and we're missing 93% of nonverbal communication. So I'm hearing someone, if you can make sure that you mute, that would be great. Okay, so why listening? It will resolve the conflict. And we have a choice. Are we gonna resolve it violently or non-violently? We always have a choice to make. Uh, and so Marshall Rosenberg gives us this model where we observe, we identify feelings, we look to what we need and value, and we make the request. The best communicator will observe. And so what's the stimulus? What's occurred? What's the conflict? What do we see, hear, and experience? And again, we're separating the judgments, evaluations, and interpretations. At this point, we don't know. We just know that there's conflict, that there's something that we need to talk about. This gives us the context for our expression of feelings and helps us take responsibility for our reaction, focusing on our needs. Um, and so all we can control is ourselves. We try to control one another. We try to control the outcome. And okay, so we can only control ourselves. 
And that's just important self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Okay, this is the five minute, five minute, five minute is what I talk about when I have group interaction and there's conflict and people are talking over each other and they're interpreting and they're judging and they're giving thoughts rather than going to what I feel and what I need. Each participant gets five minutes to share their perspective. Observers in the room reflect back what they heard, not what they think about it, not what they want to happen, not their perspective. What did you hear that person say? So you're reflecting it and everyone takes turns reflecting it back. Then the other candidate says what they want to say from their perspective for five minutes and everyone else listens to what was said. Now, this is really a skills building exercise to do when there is no conflict and to practice it like a workshop uh, with your team. And you could begin with people in your life that you trust and say, okay, so I wanna practice this exercise and see how it goes. Because I use it as training, uh, but the light bulb doesn't go on until people have to use it and then they begin to hear themselves and they realize, oh, that that's what giving a judgment is. And this is what listening really is. Okay, identifying our emotions. Um, exercise. Each person shares how they feel. When do we talk about emotions at work? It's very taboo. Even in families, it's taboo. We're not teaching our children. Most people learn about emotions when they go to therapy. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just emotions are equal to thoughts. And we're so comfortable sharing thoughts, but we don't share emotions. And it takes a lot of strength to share emotions. Um, and so each participant shares how they feel. Each observer reflects back what they heard. Not you shouldn't feel that way, or why do you feel that way? We just wanna say, okay, I'm hearing that this is how you feel. And here's a chart. So if you hear someone saying, I'm distressed, then they're strongly fearful. If you hear someone you know, saying, um, I'm elevated, then gleeful. I mean, they're pretty happy. And so you can use this chart. We wanna focus in the conversation to resolve conflict. Um, to focus on what are we valuing? What do we need? Not the strategy to get there. Okay, so the strategy is, I want my birthday celebrated. And the need is, I'm needing connection and love. And so if you hear a team member say, I wanna celebrate birthdays, foster, there's your opportunity right there to foster the conversation, what are you needing? What do you mean, what am I needing? Attention. I mean, we're just not used to thinking that way. What I'm needing is connection and love. And that's a good thing that we're communicating that to a group that we want that invested in. Okay, so some requests with uh, how are you going to resolve conflict around the microaggressions? Say more about that. Can you elaborate on your point? It sounds like you have a strong opinion. Tell me why. 
I would suggest asking Tom to order lunch as we should all take turns. That's when the woman is always asked to order lunch. I wanted to go back to what Allie was saying. That's when someone gets cut off from the conversation. Um, what is it about this that concerns you most? And we don't want to make a demand saying, stop it, that offends me, even though that's what we feel like saying. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue sharing some clips of our communication series. Stay tuned. benefit from team building. I am available for consultation. I provide team building workshops in person and virtually. Contact me at alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com.